Welcome to the Alpha Human Podcast. I am your host, Lawrence Rosenberg, and our guest for this episode is Chris Cavallini. Chris is a former U.S. Navy deep sea diver and the founder of Nutrition Solutions, a very successful company that provides custom pre-prepared meals for people with very specific fitness, health, or lifestyle goals. On the surface, Chris's story appears to be the simple tale of an entrepreneur living out the American dream. However, most would never have assumed Chris would be where he is today as the direction he was originally headed looked like it ended in nothing but disaster, despair, and hard time in the U.S. prison system. Chris was arrested 20 times and ended up facing years behind bars for deeds he had thought he had finally put behind him. The unbelievable turn of events that led to where Chris is right now is an incredibly powerful story of redemption for anyone who finds themselves at the end of their rope or having lived a life that has led to dire consequences or where the future seems bleak with no way out and no way to turn it around. Well, there is hope because Chris went from the very brink of the abyss to becoming the founder of an eight-figure, multi-million dollar revenue company And his story has been featured in Forbes, Fast Company, and uh, Inc. Magazine. He also hosts the Start Today podcast, where he shares the insights he's gained and exactly what it takes to achieve at a very high level. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. That was quite an intro. Uh, I hope I can live up to the hype. Well, listen, we're, we're... so excited uh, to have you on the show because your story, I'll, I'll tell you what, I was, I was telling my daughter your story and she says to me um, when I, you know, because I built it up a little bit um, and, you know, she said, it sounds like a movie. Um, and what, what you've been through to get where you are, in my opinion, is really only eclipsed by the surprising and unexpected stance you took to change your life's trajectory, which, which by the way, certainly didn't guarantee you would end up here. In fact, uh, initially when you were faced with what I believe was your defining moment, the pendulum could have easily swung the other way with you landing in prison for far more years than you were being offered. So I would love for you to tell your story, but let, you know, let's look at it like a movie, right? Let's start it from where, you're actually standing in front of the judge and you know, you're about to be sentenced for a long stretch. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm really interested. Let's, let's like start the scene there and talk about at that moment, what was happening, what was going on in your mind, you know, where, you know, how, how was this all really uh, becoming like a realistic possibility that your life could have ended right there. Um, And then, Mm -hmm. Before we give before we give the audience, um, you know, the climax there, let's then back it up and go all the way back to the beginning, your long journey to get to that that point. So a little bit of cinematic scope, if you will. Sure. Yeah. So uh, the middle of 2015, I was uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, and um, I had a scheduled 
court hearing, not a any court hearing, it was a sentencing. Uh, that day, I was to be sentenced for multiple of felonies for, uh, you know, sale of controlled substance. And um, I was there to basically determine my fate. I, I was uh, offered uh, a deal, if you want to call it that, to where if I uh, pled guilty and, you know, took the deal, they would only send me uh, away to prison for 24 months. And uh, although I was guilty, and, and I certainly wasn't denying my guilt by any stretch, I, I, I had already began to turn my life around. And uh, I decided that, you know, I needed to do everything I could to, 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 to fight, to try to prove to uh, try to prove to the court, the judge, the system that, uh, you know, I was a changed man. And, you know, I walked in there that day fully present and just mindful of the fact that, you know, walking in on my own free will, um, my, the, the, the exit might go a completely different way. I wasn't sure if I would have that opportunity to walk out on my own free will. So I walked in there that day and, uh, yeah, it was a crazy, crazy sequence of events. Just walking up to the courtroom, seeing, um, you know, there was over a hundred people that showed up there that day to support me, which, um, I wasn't expecting. And I, I remember when I turned the corner and saw a little bit down the hall where the courtroom was and, and started seeing familiar faces, it was just a very overwhelming moment. I was just overcome with emotions and, and just, just pride that, you know, regardless of what happens that day or what was about to happen and, and, and where this journey was going to take me, that I was a, I was a very fortunate individual. I was, uh, I was blessed. And, uh, you know, to see people there that day, that for me, just validated that a lot of uncertainty leading up to, uh, to, to, to that date, but the day come and, uh, basically walked in the courtroom, you know, took my place. Um, and they started, uh, they started the court uh, proceedings and basically, uh, the judge started, uh, listing off my crimes and, and, and basically she would go one by one. I think there's three or four different, di different charges. And she, was basically just acknowledging that I was fully aware of what I was there for and that I was aware of the uh, potential punishments for each. And, you know, she's like, you know, count one, sale of a controlled substance, punishable up to, you know, eight years in prison, count two. And like she went on and on and, and the numbers, that was the first time I was hearing it like that. Mm. Um, it was just kind of like a, like, holy shit. All right, this is, this is happening. And, uh, Basically, um, you know, I had uh, a lot of people that showed up there that day, not just to support me, but I had people that showed up that day to speak on my behalf, character witnesses, um, people that I worked with in the military, employees of mine, individuals that I uh, mentored through the Wounded Warrior Project, just people that were there to just speak on my behalf and, and, and just attempt to present to the, the state of Florida uh, and, the, and the judge, and the prosecution, just the person who I was, as opposed to the, the person that was described in the court documents and the paperwork. Um, I think what's worth pointing out is this court date, the sentencing, at that point, I had committed the crimes. And again, make no mistake about it, I, I was guilty. I did everything that they accused me of and more. I was there for crimes that had been committed three years prior. Mm -hmm. So this whole thing kind of came back it was it was quite shocking and basically uh you know there was some commotion in the courtroom and uh somebody from the uh the 
the, the police prosecutor, because I remember, I remember uh, the guy talking to me when I was arrested. I don't know if he was with the DEA or the narcotics unit in Jacksonville Sheriff's Office. He came in the courtroom as the, uh, like after it already began and, and he went, he talked to somebody at the, uh, on the prosecutor's bench and then they went outside and then my attorneys followed them outside and they came back in and then they go up to the judge and there's this like commotion going on. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on right now? And again, I have friends and uh, people with there to support me, employees like behind me. So I'm trying to like, like, you know, keep a, a good posture and just mm-hmm. act like I'm not just scared shitless, which, <laughs> which I was, of course, I wouldn't be in that situation. So it's a very, just kind of like, overwhelming rapidly evolving uh you know, a sequence that was un- 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 unfolding in front of me and uh and basically the uh they they all end up at the bench and they were like you know going back and forth and um inevitably the judge asked my attorneys if she could address me and basically he said yes and uh you know the the, the, the bailiff told me to stand up and uh the judge proceeded to uh, give me a lecture, a talk, a, I don't know, I guess, stay of execution, um, you know, at that point, and uh, basically just spoke some words that changed my life in the moment and completely changed the path of my entire life. Um, How significant at the time, I had no idea, but that day, without question, was not only a defining moment, I believe that that was the day that I was actually born. I believe that that was my real birthday. Um, that day and, and, and that outcome and where we went from there, um, you know, basically was the catalyst for everything that's happening now, so. Well, I mean, also what everyone should know is that it's even more profound that you had pled guilty so, so it's not like you were waiting to hear, you know, your fate, you, you know, you had pled not, you know, not guilty and there was a trial and we were waiting to hear you, you went in there and you like, I did it. I'm pleading, you know, I'm pleading guilty. I'm taking responsibility and yes. like you're pleading guilty. That's it. You're, you know, they, they offered you a deal and like yeah. you're pleading guilty. You're done. You're go, you're yeah. going away. So. The fact that that ends up not happening is absolutely insane. But now I want, so I want to rewind the clock a little bit and kind of, you know, figure out like what led to that moment because that's a different guy going in there saying I'm guilty, right? That's not, that's not how, that's not what led you there. You said it was three years later from stuff you had done before. You were a different guy. So how did we, how did we get there in that courtroom? Yeah, so I mean, I didn't have a traditional childhood. Um, I'm I'm 37 years old now. I, uh, you know, my mom like she had me when she was super young. She was 16. My dad took off before I was even born. My mother had a lot of problems. She was an addict. She was not uh, stable, you know, mentally, financially, uh, emotionally. So she clearly was not in a in in, in a position to be the caregiver for uh, a baby. She was uh, a baby herself and one with uh, a lot of problems. So, you know, due to that situation and that, that, that dynamic, you know, I didn't have a traditional childhood. I got removed from her care 
uh, very early on and, and, you know, spent some time in foster homes and then back with her briefly. And then, you know, just some things unfolded um, where it just was no longer uh, an option for me to go back. And I didn't have, uh, you know, my, my father around. So obviously, you know, as I mentioned, he left when my mother was pregnant. And uh, just having just a turbulent youth, just not having stability and structure, uh, you know, a, a, a male figure, disciplinarian, you know, um, in my life just coupled with some of the experiences that, uh, not a couple, but some of the experiences that uh, I was subjected to in foster care and, you know, group homes and, and just some of those things, uh, you know, changed me. They, they, they changed me in a way that obviously wasn't productive and wasn't consistent with me becoming a better kid. Um, you know, they, they, they changed me. They skewed my outlook. I was, uh, I was a very, very, uh, angry, a very insecure, uh, very pessimistic kid. I, I didn't, uh, you know, I, I didn't know any other way. Uh, again, I, I, I didn't realize, I wasn't aware that I was these things. I mean, I guess I did have an awareness that things were a little different for me than, you know, some of the other kids that I was going to school with and such. But um, I was just angry. I was bitter and uh, just not a very happy kid. And, and, and those traits, those attributes, those characteristics escalated and started leading me into doing other things as I got older and, um, you know, had platforms where I could, like, act out and, and, and do things to, to create and put attention on myself, which, again, everybody, we all have the need for significance. Uh, it's, it's, it's an essential human need. You know, some of us get it by going out in the world and, and, and committing extraordinary acts of philanthropy, um, you know, by helping people, by, you know, whatever, saving the fucking trees, whatever the case is. Other people do it, you know, by going out and committing murder or committing very, uh, you know, heinous, violent crime. We all need this feeling of significance. And I guess uh, looking back on it, perhaps the reason I was acting that way is because I knew that it was, it, it, most other kids weren't, you know, getting in trouble and, and getting arrested that young. Most other kids weren't getting tattoos when they were 15 years old. I know times are different now. This was um, around, you know, uh, 1997, 1998. So I was trying to do things uh, to, to be significant and it just so happened those things weren't really uh, good for me and, and, and my cognitive development. So basically started getting arrested, was arrested 17 times prior to my 18th birthday. Ultimately, the, uh, the state of Massachusetts got sick of my shit, and uh, I was given an ultimatum to either go to jail or join the military, um, which I opted with the latter, joined the military, and uh, for the first time in my life, I was in a, a situation where I had, I had purpose, I had, I had structure, I, I had real, true significance. I, I was very proud of what I did uh, when I served our country. I was a Navy deep sea diver. I was in a very elite community and uh i, I guess I, I guess i knew that I, I knew that going in that it wasn't like the normal like you know just normal uh branch of the military you're in a very elite community uh, amongst other you know special operators and, and and i just i knew that it was a privilege for me to be in that situation and in and, and that position and to that point in my life by a landslide that was the most significant thing that I'd ever accomplished. It was the thing that I was most proud of. So, uh, yeah, spent five years of my life in that community and just 
grew up a lot. I started learning about the importance of discipline, attention to detail, about taking pride in your work and just uh, overall, like the importance of having a mission and um, just doing what needs to be done to accomplish that mission at all costs. And uh, that was uh, a, a really good thing, having that structure, having that discipline, having these people that, you know, I was the youngest guy from the time that I checked into my command to the time that I checked out. So having all these, these uh, older, more experienced, uh, more educated and just people who I looked up to as mentors, being around them, it just, it was, it was like the perfect recipe for somebody like me who came from the circumstances that I did. I made the poor decision to get out uh, in 2006. I made the decision to get out again. Like at the time, I know what I was saying, but looking back on it now, I think that uh, the reason I decided to get out, even because I loved what I did and I was, you know, just in a good place, very proud and all that. I would have had to leave Jacksonville, Florida, where I was. Uh, I would have had to, you know, every however many years, the two, three, four years, you have to switch duty stations. And I had uh, developed a home in Jacksonville, and it wasn't like like a home per se. Right. It was Jacksonville was home. I had met some good people. I, I I created a positive association with my environment, and for the first time in my life, I had that. And you know, I wasn't willing to to let that go and, and, and potentially go somewhere else where it was, you know, not the same or I, I regressed and I, I didn't feel good in my environment. I, I, I lived that way for many years and it just wasn't something I was willing to do. So I stupidly made the decision to get out with uh, no like real plan. I didn't have like a lot of money saved and I just thought that I would figure it out. And, and basically what that was, not just getting out of the military, it was basically, you know, a kid with, a turbulent youth and, and a troubled past and, and all these like lingering issues that I've just been, you know, suppressed temporarily to go from basically having structure, purpose, discipline, and a mission like one day and then a little next day losing all of that. And that was, uh, that was very tough for me. And, and I regressed very quickly, slipped back into some of my old patterns. I was working in a strip club, like to make cash and just living a lifestyle that was not just, consistent with, uh, with, with moving forward and, 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 and growth and just developing myself. Um, and again, I wasn't concerned with any of those things, but that was just the case. And ultimately, you know, I just got sick of that, the strip club. I, I didn't like the way that I felt when I was in there, the vibes, just, just dealing with some of the people and the customers, just that lifestyle in general, you know, it wasn't for me. So I decided to quit and, um, you know, made the brilliant decision to, uh, quit the strip club to uh, start selling drugs. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a, a, a true story. And, and again, I let that be a testament. I mean, not laughing and minimizing, you know, what I did. I, I've, I've paid for uh, my crimes on levels that, you know, um, would take a whole other podcast to, to, to speak on. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it just shows you how much I hated the strip club <laughs> to think that that was a superior option. But, but basically, yeah was a drug dealer for many years and lived a fast life and just made cash and, and, and just partied and, and did whatever I wanted to do and just kind of was living this fake, I created this fake persona and lived this fake life. And the, the thing is the fake persona that I created, I liked that person better than I liked my former self. So I guess that's kind of how I like validated it in my mind. But right. the problem is like, it, it wasn't really who I was. Like some of the things that I was doing, some of the things that I was, some of the ways that I was acting, like, like I, I, sometimes I would feel inside, like just something that just didn't feel right. I did not feel in alignment. And uh, 
that can be very, very harmful and just toxic to your psyche and to your overall, like to your physiology. And, you know, eventually um, I was, I was getting, getting a little older and, and, and just looking at the world a little different. Uh, a huge wake up call for me was uh, a lot of my, my, my friends back then, um, other drug dealer friends, they started to get arrested, started to get sent to prison. So, you know, it was pretty obvious what was coming down the line and, and, and ultimately where I would end up. I mean, there was no question about it. The, 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 the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office, to their credit, they did a really, really good job of literally sending all of my crew to prison. I mean, all of us sold different drugs and, you know, one by one, they snatched people up and, and, and uh, you know, put them behind bars. And I was, uh, I, I was aware that, you know, there's a, a high probability I was being watched. And um, I just, when my friends started going to prison and just kind of just thinking about like, where I'm going to end up and not end up, not prison end up, but end up like what this, if I do go to prison or, or if I do like, you know, lose my connection and I'm not able to support my lifestyle, like, you know, what happens to me? And, you know, the, the conclusion that I drew and, and the, the perception I had in my mind was I go back to being, you know, that kid that I was growing up, that kid who was unstable, who was insecure, who was looked down upon in a lot of instances. And, and, and a lot of that might've been even in my own mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know what it's like to have to steal dirty clothes out of the lost and found at school just because I was sick of like getting, get, getting made fun of. And, and I don't call it getting bullied, but I mean, I guess that's what it could be. Having other kids like laugh at me for wearing the same clothes all the time. So I remember what that, that feeling of just, just not being in control of, uh, of losing hope, just being like very, very sad and insecure in your own skin. I remember what that felt like. And uh, I just felt that that was where I was headed. I mean, I was on a collision course with, with, with that scenario. And uh, that thought just really, uh, really started to, 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 to eat away at my soul. And, uh, you know, I basically got very, very focused and very clear about what was going to happen no question if I didn't start making some changes in my life. And uh, that basically compelled me to seek out uh, mentorship and, you know, figure out a plan. I didn't know what to do. I mean, if I knew how to be better, I would have already done it. Right. So I went to somebody who uh, was a a friend of mine, a guy that I looked up to at the time. And I basically laid out all my cards. I was very honest with him. I told him what I had been doing. I told him, what I was feeling. And I told them that I wanted to do something. I, I said, like, I mean, look, I feel like I can do something great. I feel like I can do something great. I know that I was put on this planet to, to be someone who's important. And I just honestly have no idea what that is. And I, and, and, and I would appreciate if there's anything that you could show me, teach me, tell me, put me onto, um, I would be forever grateful. And, and, you know, he put me onto two things and those two things were, personal development. He said that I needed to uh, basically read every book that Tony Robbins had at the time, his uh, audio tapes, and YouTube videos. This was in um, around, you know, 2009, 2010. Okay. So, you know, things were different. There wasn't the abundance of resources as there is now with podcasts and, uh, you know, the different platforms that are, that are more popular than the audio tapes. But um, yeah, basically he told me that and he said that I needed to start surrounding myself with people who are better than me. Said it just like that, and uh, you know, I didn't really have anybody that I knew other than really him. Um, but he wasn't really going to hang out with me. I was, I was fortunate that he was kind and and generous enough to to be someone who, who wants to give back with his time, but 
people like that, they're not, they don't want to hang around with people like me. I have to earn my seat at that table. And I was aware of that. So I didn't know anybody that was like really successful or anything, but I did know where like, you know, successful people would be different restaurants and, 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 and lounges and just environments, uh, networking events. And I started just to put myself in these atmospheres and environments and just started to observe some things about people and, and, and like just their mannerisms, how they talk, how they dress. And uh, I just tried to like model what I could. One of the things that I noticed a common denominator between, you know, most of these people in these environments, these successful people, where they were not out of shape. And it was a thing that just kind of struck me as like just fascinating because out of all the different places that I've seen, out of all the different uh, you know, networking events, restaurants, lounges, functions, like the majority of people that are there are like, they're, they're clearly exercising and, and eating well. They're clearly prioritizing their own health and, uh, and fitness. And I thought that was interesting. And I, and I also thought that that was an opportunity for me because although I didn't have uh, experience i didn't have the skills at the time that uh that a lot of them have i didn't have the career or, or any of that stuff yet the contacts i had always worked out things always important to me and um I, I knew that like that was something i could work on that was something i could elevate my game with that was something i could get better at to kind of get myself some momentum going and that's exactly what i did and and it was funny because when i started to like when i was younger younger like my mid-20s i didn't really eat but i ate good like in my mind it wasn't even, like pizza and, and, and bullshit right but like my awareness and level of consciousness of what eating good actually entails then versus now it's like literally night and day so i didn't eat bad but i didn't eat good and, and you know at this time when i was making these changes I, I i started to learn a little bit about nutrition i i seeked out information started to read things about just learning about how different nutrients affect our body different vitamins antioxidants and just basically having a little bit of method to the madness and I started eating a little more consistently. I started being mindful of my portions, right? I, I wasn't crazy. I wasn't weighing out my, like, like every little macro, but I would have like roughly the same amount of food in every meal. And I was just eating healthy consistently. And before that, I, didn't, I wasn't really aware of what that meant. And through this, I started to just like feel better. I started to have more energy. My thought patterns were more, like clear, I felt like I was just more advanced than I was prior. And again, like other than the personal development that I was doing, I, I'd never really done any like real life shit. Hmm. But through the through the, the continuous personal development of fitness, my my mindset just just evolved, and and I, I started to just set you know like like goals and like visualize and things like that. And uh, you know, ultimately, an opportunity came about where. Uh, I uh, started the company that, you know, I have now, which, which you, know, you alluded to at the beginning of the interview, Nutrition Solutions. And um, at that point, it was just, it, was, it wasn't a passion. It wasn't, it was anything, anything more than an escape mechanism it, or escape outlet. It was something for me to do to where I wasn't, uh, you know, being kept up at night with just soul-crushing anxiety. I, I wasn't having to, like, look over my back. I wasn't having to just kind of, you know, live my life in a, in, a, in a constant perpetual state of fear. And, you know, I started up with literally nothing. I, I was going to a, uh, a uh, catering company, a local catering company that had the staff, that had the, the facility, the equipment, you know, the overhead, all that. I mean, I had nothing. I had no money. I, I don't even know how to cook, like to this day. So, like, I, I, I knew that, you know, I, I had other people like me that, 
didn't know how to cook or didn't want to cook. So I knew there was a, there was an opportunity there. So I basically went to a catering company and I had them prepare, uh, you know, meals for me and I would buy them from them and then flip them to uh, the people I knew for a shitty profit at that point. And they would pick them up in a parking lot out of a, a back of, of a van and the, the, the cooling mechanism for the, uh, the, the, the meals at that time was basically an ice blanket thrown over the uh, meals that were on the, uh, the floor of this van that had the, uh, that had the, the, the back seat ripped out. And, you know, on a, on a hot Florida uh, day, we would have our customers at the time, you know, there's probably seven to nine of them meet in this parking lot of the strip mall that was centrally located to, you know, where the eight or nine people lived uh, that we were serving at the time. And they would come there and pick up the meals out of the, either the back of the van or then we graduated to a station wagon. Bootstrapping. Yeah. So that, that's, that, that's how it began. And, and, you know, just, just like anything, like you, you put in the work and, and you focus on improving and provided you're actually doing that and not just saying that, like you will improve. So a few years went by and, you know, I graduated from the, the, the parking lot to, the, you know, started to uh, get, hire my own staff, started to, you know, um, just develop like an actual company ecosystem, like mm-hmm. structure. When I started the company, I didn't have a, I didn't have a website. I didn't, I mean, we didn't have a logo. We didn't have uh, a credit card merchant. Like it was just cash business. Everything was like done on a, uh, like Excel spreadsheet. Um, so, you know, grew the company uh, to, to that point and, you know, it was, it was doing okay. I mean, okay to my standards then, not so much now. And uh, mm-hmm. we were making progress and, and, you know, one day um, out of nowhere at this point, you know, I'd, I'd been away from my drug dealing days for, for a long time, for years, it'd been three years. Uh, I was able to successfully transit completely out of that lifestyle. And you know, although times were tough with business and it was just always stressful and it was so new, it, it just again, like it was something I felt good about. I didn't, you know, uh, have to lie to people about what I was doing anymore. I, I wasn't kept up with the, the anxiety. The anxiety that I was kept up with was di- was a little different now, <laughs> but um, I was just in a better place. And, and ultimately, one day. Um, in 2015, again, I was about three years into my business, three years uh, since I had turned my back on, you know, my former life and selling drugs. Um, the Tampa Police Department, narcotics, couple of narcotics detectives showed up on my doorstep and served a warrant for crimes that were committed three years prior. And that situation, again, like completely flipped my life upside down. And that's ultimately, you know, what we were talking about at the beginning of this. I had uh, made a lot of changes, you know, not just with going from being a drug dealer to like a legitimate businessman. I, I, I was working on becoming a good person. The, the, my, my focus is always to be a good person way be ahead or before being a good businessman. I think if you are a good person, uh, you, you know, you will be a good businessman. And I don't necessarily mean like, like a not nice guy. I think, Sometimes people get confused between like a nice guy and a good person. Um, I wanted to be a good person. I wanted to, you know, give more than I took. I, I wanted to be someone who put other people uh, ahead of myself. I wanted to be somebody who helped other people when I could. And I wanted to be somebody who just lived his life in a state of gratitude. And I guess I became uh, aware through, you know, I've read over a thousand books uh, to this day, but at Early on, I, I read something somewhere that uh, basically I decided to, to adopt and, and, and hold on to. And to this day, I still 
live my life kind of under this code. And um, it's basically, you know, to, to experience fulfillment at the absolute highest level, you have to serve others. You have to give back. You have to contribute beyond yourself. It is not psychologically or physiologically possible to experience fulfillment at optimal levels unless you're doing things for other people. And uh, I really, uh, I really held on to that. I, I thought that there was just so much, you know, so many shitty things that I'd done in my lifetime at that point that I just had a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, uh, I had a lot of uh, bad things I needed to make up for. And, and, and I just started doing that stuff uh, initially. And it just, be, it was just like such a powerful enlightening experience because I realized that like with the people that I was helping and then like the good that I was doing in the world, like as weird as this sounds and as selfish as this is going to sound like it was actually helping me more than it was helping the people or the charities and, and organizations. And I just, I, I you know, obviously that, that's, that's the fulfillment. And, uh, it, it just allowed me to, uh, to just to, to move forward and no matter how bad and, and how hard life got, I honestly, which it did, of course, with this court case, I honestly believe that, you know, when you do good, they talk about the, um, you know, the, the, the law of attraction. Mm -hmm. When you do good, good things come back to you. And I think people miss out on a lot of opportunities because they believe that they're going to do good for something or, someone and that it should come right back to them like right there right then from that person and that is just not the way that it works the the good that you know we do it's going to come back it's going to come back when we really need it all right not when not when we want it not when it's most convenient it's going to come back when we absolutely need it so it's important that you know we're doing good by others and and, and doing so with no expectation of getting anything in return because by having no expectations that's when the magic happens. And that's when that law of attraction is able to uh, activate as it did for me, um, you know, in, uh, in, in, in July of 2015, when the judge, uh, addressed me in front of my peers, my, my, uh, my defense and, uh, you know, the prosecution and the police uh, prosecutors that were working my case. And she basically said that she had thoroughly familiarized herself with my mitigation packet, which is basically like, a packet of like character statements and just it basically paints the picture to the judge of like who you are. She said she read it cover to cover. She uh, reviewed the testimonies and, and listened to the character witnesses. And uh, she said that, you know, she'd been on the bench 30 years to that point. And in all her years uh, on the bench, she had never seen anybody do what I actually had done. And she then went on to tell me that the purpose of prison and the reason people are sent to prison in the state of Florida is for rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. And she, she, she told me that she felt that I had done that on my own, that I should be very proud of the things that I've done with my life and in the community. And it was for that reason that she did not see value in sending me to prison. So that was the day that everything changed. Um, you know, here we are five years. I could literally still be in prison right now. Um, so I realized that I realized that that second chance that I was given, it wasn't just like, Oh, like, you know, you better straighten up. It was like, Hey, the universe was saying, okay, here you go. Now, what are you going to do with it? And, and that's something I took to heart. And, uh, you know, since then I've just taken on the, the frame of mind to get just the most out of every single second of every single day, because life is just so short. 
it's so short and, and, and it's just so interesting. It's interesting because sometimes, you know, bad things happen to good people without explanation, without any rhyme or reason. And I just realized that, you know, we're all on this planet for a certain period of time. And, and hopefully it's the, 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 the full time of what it should be. But as somebody who's lost a lot of friends throughout my lifetime, I lost my best friend when I was 17. And then I lost another best friend when I was uh, 34. I realized that things happened and just living with that perspective that, you know, you only get one shot at this. And there is no like date or expiration date that we're aware of that we know, okay, you know, we can turn it up at this time to get the result. And I just decided that, you know what, like, I'm just going to take on the, the, this, the, this mindset that I'm just going to go hard. I'm just going to do everything in my power to constantly improve and evolve and become the best version of me because I learned throughout, uh, you know, my studies in psychology, but the key to happiness, key to happiness in life is progress. And I wasn't happy for the majority of my life, many, 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 many years. Not only was I not happy, I was miserable. So I basically have dedicated myself to living a life of happiness. And well, what does that mean? Well, it means I'm living a life of continuous progress because that's what really makes us happy. People don't think that. People think it's a certain amount of money in your bank account, a certain you know, job, a certain car, uh, you know, certain spouse or whatever, like financial status or like status standing in the community. They think it's these things, but it is not. As somebody who has the best of all of those things, I will tell you, like, I thought it was those things too. And then you get it and you realize it's not what you thought it was. And, uh, and that's okay. You know, the, 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 the fact is we all have uh, no, an infinite amount of opportunities every single day to get up and do things that will allow us to make progress. And if you want to be happy, if you're listening to this and want to be happy, which everybody does or everybody should, like rest comfortably assured and, 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 and be confident and recognize that the key to the happiness that you're like searching for and looking for and trying to fucking figure out how to get, it's on the other end of you taking actions on a consistent basis that are in your own best interest the key to happiness in life is progress and i figured that out and uh you know that's kind of why i do what i do and and, and and go at the level that i go at it and that is just a an amazing story um there, i'm really interested to know what was the self-talk that was going on when you decided that you weren't going to take the deal that you were offered by the prosecutors for a, for a greatly reduced sentence. And, and you decided against, obviously, everybody's wishes, no doubt, including your attorneys. Um, you decided, you know, forget, forget about the deal I'm being offered. I'm actually gonna accept responsibility. I'm gonna plead guilty. And, you know, whatever, um, you know, whatever the universe has in store for me, uh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna own up to that. I mean, what was the actual, like, what was the self-talk that then says in your mind, you say, no, I'm pleading guilty. Yeah. So when I got arrested, they made it very clear. They wanted me to snitch. Some a, a friend of mine snitched on me. And uh, that's just normally how it works. Like when people get, get caught up, they start telling on all their friends just to save their own ass. And, right. you know, I had made some changes, a lot of changes in my life to that point 
to become a better person. And it all started with me taking responsibility, taking responsibility over my past, over you know what has happened, over the shitty things that I've done, and taking responsibility not to let it define me in the present and allow it to motivate me in a sense, to, to serve as a driving force and catalyst to motivate me to, to be better. And I had to take responsibility over my past in order to, to create a better future. So I just had a really positive association with taking responsibility because it allowed me to do, like to make a remarkable transformation in a pretty short period of time. Mm-hmm. So when they were trying to get me to snitch, I, I, I just couldn't even for a second entertain the thought. And I respectfully told them, appreciate it. I just, you know, it's not anything that I can even sit here and consider. I would rather literally sit in a jail cell and, and go to bed every night with a smile on my face than, you know, be on the street just knowing that I destroyed somebody's life because I wasn't man enough and just willing to be held accountable for my own actions. So it's just not something that was just in my DNA. And, you know, for that reason, I declined the, uh, the offer. And, and then that's when they tried to uh, come down really, really hard. I had a, my bail was half a million dollars again. Like the, wow. the, the amount of time trying to give me for the charges just wasn't very consistent with what it normally is. Um, and yeah, I mean, but it is what it is. It was all part of uh, what needed to be done and, and they did what they felt they had to do. But at the end of the day, I put us in that position. So, okay. So, so the judge, sees in something she's probably never seen before. In fact, uh, you know, very few people have ever heard of such a story where, you know, someone owns up like that. Um, and now you walk out of there, you're a free man, you have your whole life ahead of you. And I guess, you know, you've, you've now gone on to build a, a really great company. I want to kind of get into some of, you know, yeah. your philosophy and your approach because, um, you know, I, I listened to your, your podcast. Um, I've listened to a lot of the episodes. Oh, cool. Thank you. Uh, listen, it's, it, you know, it's a pleasure because I, I really appreciate those who have accomplished something or done something extraordinary. And then they're sharing their wisdom as opposed to say a motivation, a motivational speaker who's pretty much just parroting all the motivational speakers that have come before them, right? So you you actually have real insight from someone who, you know, you, you're someone who's actually taken uh, an incredibly uh, bold and courageous move to turn your life around and literally face the brink of what most people would not face. They would take the deal. Um, and you got your second chance and then you've gone on to build a great company. So I want to pick your brain a little bit for our audiences. Yeah, please, let's go. Fantastic. So, you know, you talk about um, your problems are your opportunities. I've heard you, you know, mm-hmm. I've heard you talk about that. So mm-hmm. um, what, is that, what does that mean? What, what, what does it mean your problems are, how is a problem actually an opportunity? Well, the, the biggest mistake people make as it relates to problems is operating under the flawed belief system that they shouldn't have any. Problems give us purpose. They give us the ability to learn, to grow, and, and to improve. Without, without problems, there can be no growth. So the, the, the issue with you know, that, that word is the association that people have when they think about it. And, and where, like, where does that come from? 
from a very early age. I mean, they don't, they don't t tell you that in school. In elementary school, when you know, you're learning about the word problems, they're, you're reading a textbook definition, they're giving you examples of what problems mean in, in the literal world, and at no point are they going to tell you that problems are opportunities. Problems you know, are needed for growth. Problems are what's gonna you know, distinguish like people who live average lives from people who go and just change the, change the fucking world. So problems, there's always opportunity in, in problems. And, you know, it, it's either a, like a, a learning opportunity where, you know, you do something and something doesn't go the way that you want it to go. You now then have that knowledge and are one step closer to, you know, the sought after outcome that you're looking for. Or problems are basically an indication, uh, an alarm. Basically, the universe kind of tapping you on the shoulder and being like, hey, something ain't right, and we got we to gotta fix it. And by doing that, by fortifying you know, that issue, you're going to get into a better place. See, when problems, come, when problems come up in business, it's not like normally situations where, okay, here's this problem. Now we have to do the work to resolve it. We've done the work to resolve it, and now we're, okay, we're back to normal. It doesn't normally go like that. Normally, you'll, you'll be at a certain point. You'll kind of dip down because of this problem, okay? You then invest resources and energy figuring out a solution, and that solution typically doesn't just bring you back to par levels, but it'll bring you actually to the next level, a level that you have otherwise never been to. So every time that, you know, celebrate adversity is a core value, at my company, okay, this is how much I believe in the things that I'm saying because without problems, there can be no growth. Like if you're going to go to the next level, like in life or business, you're gonna have to do shit that you've never done before. If you're doing shit that you've never done before, there's a high probability, like remarkably high probability that you're gonna fuck something up. You're gonna do something and you're not gonna get the result that you're after. And like, of course that's going to happen. You've never fucking done it before. People get so wrapped up in, you know, when they have problems and, and, and something doesn't go right the first time, they get so wrapped up in that one failure and so fucking scared to take, like, action because, you know, it, it, it hurt a little bit. Oh, it stung a little bit. You lost a little money. You lost, your, your pride, your ego got hurt. You have to, and again, that's all because of the, uh, neurological connection that people have with that word problem people think that they shouldn't have them so when they do occur it basically i guess short circuits our um you know our our, our brains and kind of disrupts our, our our thought process we have to develop a positive association with the word i love problems because problems give you the opportunity to get better as a company as a team as an individual and look like the only way that we're going to move forward is by capitalizing off of uh, you know the opportunities that life will throw our way or the ones that we create. And the fact is, amidst every fucking problem is opportunity, and we have to when those opportunities come along, you got to just grab them by the fucking throat and, and and hold on for dear life because if we don't, somebody else will. Yeah, that's that's really strong. Um, that that having the perspective. It's, you know, I, I completely relate to this. Like I will not use the word problem. So for me, you know, I, I like, I love challenges, right? So to me, a problem is a challenge. And it, you know, if challenges get you inspired to do something about them and overcome them. So I think you're, you know, like absolutely zoned in on that. And 
it's really, really, uh, I mean, that one person. Well, as, as somebody who's had, yeah, go ahead. what I was saying is somebody who's had so many problems and had run into crisis and adversity all throughout my life, but specifically as it relates to business, for many years, I didn't look at it like that. I looked at it the same way most people do. It's like, why is this happening to me? And this person's fault, and that person's fault, and why me, why me? And then, like, you know, although I might have done some complaining and thought like a little negatively, I didn't quit, and I would always figure it out. I mean, it might have been painful, it might took a long time, but I always figured it out. And then I, after doing it that way, like handling it like a, like a, I mean, handling it in a very weak manner, for lack of a better term, I started to realize that like shit, like every time something pops up and every time something like this happens, like not only do we fix it, like we were in a better place than we've ever been before. And I thought that was really fascinating. And I just changed my fucking perspective because when I got to that better place, I was always fucking pumped up and grateful and just and, 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 and excited. And instead of, you know, dealing with it poorly, I realized that, you know, I could feel like that when the problem was going on because I I knew it was only inevitable to, to, to where I got to that point anyway. So I started being grateful in the moment and started to celebrate the problem, celebrate the adversity in the moment. And not only did it allow us to get through and figure out that problem a hell of a lot quicker, I basically you know, bypassed having to feel like shit and being stressed the fuck out uh, for the entire time that it would take to fix the actual problem, which most people do. They think they're going to make good decisions being stressed and panicked and just basically um you know not in control of their emotions that's not how this works when you're when you're in that state your brain is going to be just soaked with cortisol cortisol has been shown in some instances depending on uh how much it's released to have the ability to actually have your iq to cut your iq in half which is why people tend to say really stupid things when they're upset mm. you can't expect to be able to make good decisions to lead a team to grow a business to, uh, to, to capitalize off of the opportunities that lie in problems if you're in that state of fear and panic. So you got to be calm, you got to be collected, and you have to lead. And part of that is uh, keeping your, your composure and, and, and looking at the problem uh, objectively and recognizing it as what it is, not worse than it is, and, and, and also making sure that you know, not only yourself, but the people around you look at that as, a, uh, as an opportunity as well. So another thing that's really um, big for you is the concept of standards and having, and having high standards. I've heard, you talk about, yeah. I've heard you talk about the biggest difference in people, right? It, it separates those who, you know, can't achieve or don't achieve or, you know, are wondering why their life isn't great versus those that have succeeded. Um, is is standards? You say it all boils down to standards. Now, the, the only the only difference the only difference in people is their standards. The, oh, okay. So the only difference in people is is their standards. So here's what I would uh, I would love to hear. Um, what is that? So what does that mean? But then, what I, what I want you to do is, um, because you know, yeah, everyone's standards are different, or what everyone wants is different. But if someone came to you and said, what should my standard, what does, does Chris believe high standards are? Like, you gotta be this, you gotta do this, you gotta do, what are the hot, 
what are the highest standards that you should have if you want to be successful? I mean, you have to have high standards with everything. It's not, if you want to be successful, what should you have high standards in? To be successful, you have to maintain consistently high standards. If somebody was to come to me to your question and say, hey, where should I really start just focusing on having high standards without question it would be their health. That's, that's a very easy decision, the health by, I mean, nothing even comes close by nourishing their body with the right things, by exercising, um, and not just their physical body, exercising you know, their body and also exercising their minds by the personal development, by reading, by you know, meditating, doing breath work, just taking care of their physical and mental uh, health, protecting their physical bodies. Um, I mean, our bodies house our brains, our hearts, all of our vital organs. So like, if we're not taking care of our bodies, it can't do what it's capable of doing. It, it can't allow us to uh, you know, reach half of our potential um, you know, in that sense. So I think if people started to do these things, so they're easy things. Like, I mean, they're a lot easier than the, the, the other option. Anybody can do it. You don't need you know, uh, an MBA or 15 years industry experience or fucking whatever other thing. You don't need any of that to start exercising or to start eating good or to start reading, uh, you know, a book every day for 30 minutes, 45 minutes to make that a mandatory part of your day. Mm-hmm. And once you start prioritizing your health, which people, I think when they think health and when they say health, I think, well, first of all, I don't think anybody really ever thinks about it unless they're confronted with a health issue or like something what's going on right now. I think when most people say or think health, they think sick or not sick. So if I'm not sick, then I'm healthy. And that's just not how it works, unfortunately. So I think if people, you know, a lot of people see successful people that are out there crushing and doing all these things, it's like, how does he do so much? How does she keep up with all that? Like they're doing things that you're not doing. I'm not talking about the physical like activities. I'm not talking about the, 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 the business stuff. I'm talking about the reading. I'm talking about the, the, the uh, eating, nourishing, high quality, nourishing, uh, you know, foods. I'm talking about the exercise, which basically puts them in a higher elevated peak uh, you know, mental and physical state that allows them to perform at a higher level. So they're all interconnected. It, it's not about eating good and, and exercising, you know, to have a, a, a an awesome six pack, right? It, I mean, I guess that that's part of it, but on the list, it, it's, it, it's pretty low on there. It's about taking care of yourself. So you're able to live a strong life and kick ass in life, feeling your best, being able to think your best being able to recover, being able to have sustainable, clean energy throughout the day, not wake up in the morning having to literally like uh, drag gas for the first hour of the day until you get two, three cups of coffee in you. We're not supposed to do those things. Like our bodies are not designed to do that. I mean, back in the day, day, like, you know, cavemen and, uh, you know, in ancient Rome and ancient Greece, they didn't have coffee. We didn't have to rely on stimulants and things of that nature to, to sustain energy they were putting things into their body that allowed them to perform the way our bodies are designed to perform. Unfortunately, most people every day make decisions to put things into their own mouth that destroy their health and just distort their body's natural way of being. Not to mention what it makes them look like. 
you know, the, with, with, with the physical uh, side of things. And if the, the problem with that is, you know, not like, oh, you, you know, you're, you're, you're scum if you don't have a good body. You're scum if you're fat. That is not what it is. The problem with that is when you are overweight and, you know, you are significantly uh, obese and all that, not only are you not healthy, you're not mentally healthy either. You're going to, your confidence is going to take a hit. You're going to have very, very low self-esteem. You're going to have a significantly higher rate of depression and suicide. And these are all things that are going to impact and roll over, carry and filter into every other area of life. So without question, if it was someone looking to figure out where to get started, it would be that. And to also be open-minded about the fact that the things that you think that it's going to benefit, it will do that stuff. But the things that really matter, the things that are the most important, most impactful, like they, they aren't things that you like can think of. It's things that you just have to experience. And once you experience it, you look back on it like, Jesus, I don't know. I can't tell you how many times I work with people uh, that had just extraordinary transformation. You've lost 200 pounds, 100 pounds, 40, 60, 70 pounds. And when they lose the weight, they look back at themselves. It, they're not like looking back at the the person who had all the body fat and, and, and the person who, you know, didn't look the way they want to look, they're looking back at a completely different person because their, their mind transformed in the process. So people think that it's about, you know, uh, Oh, just working out to, to, to have big muscles and to, you know, to eat good and, and uh, for just vanity purposes, it, it's not that it's, it's literally the most important thing that you can do to live your best life across the board. If you are not in control of that, you won't have the ability to be in control of all the other areas of life that are important. So that makes so much sense uh, because from that, everything else, you know, starts to fall in line because if you're not willing to accept, you know, a, a poor physique, if you're not willing to accept uh, crappy food, you know, everything starts to change. You know, that's, that's absolutely huge. You know, it must be, um, you know, you, so you have a company that um, is growing, it's doing really well. Um, you talk about progressing. Um, I know you're into, to, you know, skills and mindset training. Um, so I'm really, it must be, you know, you work for most companies, their CEO isn't talking like you. That's for fucking sure. Okay. So it must be really interesting for your team and those that work with you, you know, they're, you know, they're part of a very interesting culture. How do you, how do you establish that culture or how do you continue to uh, cultivate that culture within, what kind of culture do you have at your company? And, you know, how do, you know, what is it that, that you look to do for your team to keep their minds right, to keep that mindset correct? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for asking that. So, as I mentioned, when I was getting my start, when I was starting to start to turn my life around, I was put on to Tony Robbins and, you know, like I became just enamored by this guy. You know, he was the father I never had, the role model that I needed and basically my superhero. And, you know, I was thinking to myself, man, I would love to be like Tony Robbins. And, you know, obviously nobody would be like Tony Robbins. He's the, the goat without question. I just, I, I just remember how, cool I thought it would be and how good it would feel to be able to just to talk in front of people and move people the way that he did and just to have that 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 presence because as someone who's very insecure 
most of my life, I used to have a hard time looking people in the eye. It, it, it was just something that was very attractive to me. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to instill that component within our company's ecosystem, uh, one of personal development and, and basically one of just the same process that I followed. I mean, it was a process that wasn't like planned. It was a process that just kind of like organically came to be. But the process that I followed to change my life and the one that I continue to follow, which was a combination of gratitude, uh, you know, prioritizing my health and fitness through exercise and eating good, personal development, and then giving back. So I've just instilled all of those things in our company's ecosystem. And one of the things that I, I guess I, I pride myself on is being able to talk about things and feeling comfortable talking about things to the team and around the company that other people just wouldn't or saying things to people on my team, pulling them aside and saying things to them that they really, really need to hear. They might not want to hear, but they need to hear it. Things that just other people aren't saying because they're not caring enough. You know, I, I care about my team. I, like maybe it's, why do I care about them so much? Like, honestly, I, I don't know because it feels good to, it feels good to, just see people grow and you know I'm, I'm 37 I don't have any kids you know right now but I, but I feel like I have so many of the people I work, work the people that work with people who have worked for me with the company being set up the way that it is like I, I, I've kind of designed it to be an institution of higher learning and wow. everybody that comes in there I, I'm investing in I'm, I'm investing in them I, I'm bringing them in I mean you know, I, I, I don't do the hiring now unless it's like a higher level individual, but like I have trained team that, you know, that knows like what we're doing here. Like we're here to change the world and the way we're going to change the world is one person at a time. But the way that we're going to change one person at a time, the change starts from within. It has to start from within the company. It has to start the way that we take care of our team, the way we take care of each other. That is going to reflect on the way that we take care of our customers and the people that give us you know, the opportunity to help them change your life. And that's the thing. People come into this. Some have blind faith. Some have, you know, heard some stories. Some are just like, shit, you know what? I hate the way that I look with my clothes off. Like, like I need to do, like the thing that is the catalyst or the thing that separates people that see it through and experience transformation and the people that don't is their mindset and the way that they think. So beyond providing these products and services, to help people live a healthier lifestyle. We also have interjected the thing that is most important to ensure the success of the individuals who come to us, you know, looking for a better way of doing things. And that's to teach them how to think a little bit differently, teach them how to prioritize and value their health as opposed to like putting it like on the back burner or categorizing it as an extra, right? People who realize that the services that they're purchasing through our company our products, our programs, that it's an investment, not an expense. And it's a fail-safe investment. It's an investment that will legitimately give you 20,000% 20, return on your investment 100% of the time, provided you stay consistent. So when you, when you recognize that's what this is and you know, you're eating food anyway, and at the end of the day, the foods you're eating are either like preventing or curing disease, we're feeding it like there's literally no happy medium so when you think of it like that you know 
it, it changes the game. Unfortunately, most people don't. Most people don't have that mindset. I've had to work for many years to get, and I still am, to, to do not just with the reading, but my spiritual journey and just learning to unlock parts of my brain that just allow me to see things in a different light. And I, I am fully well aware that most people don't think like that. I mean, three quarters of the adult population in this country are clinically classified as overweight or obese. There's 190 billion that's spent annually treating obesity-related illness. For the first time in the history of the human species, our life expectancy is actually going down. Okay, the, the obesity pandemic will kill hundreds of thousands of, of more people this year than the coronavirus pandemic. Well, why isn't it being talked about? Why isn't it all over the fucking news? Why isn't it all on the social media? It's killed hundreds of thousands of people for years, and, and that number, that death toll is climbing. There's, it's big business, though. The, the obesity pandemic is big business, 190 bill treated on you know, medication and, and procedures and all that. Not to mention, um, you know, the, 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 the uh, fat burner and all this horse shit that, you know, people want to sell you a dream through a pill. Like, it's big business. So, like, people just have to be aware. And, um, I feel that I, I feel that I have responsibility to wake as many people up as possible. And sometimes I'm not very gentle about that. And, and it's only because I care. I genuinely believe the world would be a better place if more people were fit. It's powerful. It's really powerful. Um, I know we're running out on time. I want to, I just want to ask you two more questions. Yeah, man. Um, so you also, you talk about setting up your environment. For success. Yes. What is that? How do you, how do, how does one set up their environment for success? Cause everyone's looking in, like everyone's thinking internal, like, what do I got to mm. do? How does your environment, like, how does that work? Okay. I guess, um, let's just, I'm going to use a couple just drastic uh, analogies to uh, just give you some perspective. Okay. Like, let's say, you know, you're, you're driving down the highway and uh, you haven't seen an exit for a gas station in 50 miles and you have to take the piss of all pisses legitimately. Like, your bladder is about to explode, okay? Finally, you see an exit, you pop off the exit, stop at the gas station, run up to the bathroom, open the door, okay? In the first bathroom, you walk in and you're just hit with this like revolting scent of just foul death, right? The, the, the bathroom is disgusting, it's dirty, like there, there's piss all over the toilet seat, toilet paper halfway in the water, halfway hanging out, and you go to the bathroom and get a little bit of your piss on the seat. Okay. Are you good? Do you think you're going to clean it up at that point? Like with the circumstances that I just mentioned, would you wipe that piss up? Honestly, not at all. Not at all. You wouldn't. No way. Right. So let's say that same scenario, you, you go up to the bathroom, you open it and you're met with this just amazing, just aroma, like tropical breeze. You walk in to what looks like the cleanest bathroom that you have ever been in, right? There's like little mouthwash cups and um, this uh, little mints and trays and everything is just clean and just, just pristine. And the same thing happens. Are you cleaning that piss? Absolutely. I am. Yeah. So 
you are, and that, and that's not your toilet, right? It's 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 some random gas station, or whatever. So like that yeah. tells us and suggests that envi- environment absolutely matters. Environment determines how we feel. It determines how we think, and it ultimately determines some of the decisions that we make or fail to make. And as it relates to you know what we're talking about here, let, like let's go back to that first pattern. As you're in there and you're squeezing out the piss as fast as you can because you know, the, 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 the smell, the how are you, how do you, how are you feeling in that environment? Right. You're feeling filthy. You feel like, you know, you, 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 you want to run, you want to get that, you know, you just, you feel, un- you feel uncomfortable. You feel gross. You, you start to feel a little angry, right? Yep. Yeah. And in the other environment, you know, not so much. You, you feel like shit, like I, I'm in high society. I'm at a country club. I'm at the, the Ritz Carlton, whatever. Maybe you don't feel like that, but you feel significantly better in, in, in contrast. So our environment matters so much. And this is something I kind of, no, I was going to say it's true. I mean, I've been in some, what was that? I've, I've said that's so true because um, I've been in some incredible bathrooms and when you walk in there, you just, you know, you feel like a different person, right? So the environment, you know, it's, it's crazy. Look, it's, it's the same thing. I was giving you that crazy analogy, but it's the same thing. If you come home to your house and your house is a fucking disaster, shit thrown all over the floors, dish, uh, dishes all in the sink, right? Just this nasty, you know, trash, trash bags next to the, uh, the, the, your trash can or coming home to a nice clean house, beds made fresh linen, you know, nice smelling, uh, like it, it, it the shit matters. And, and this was something I kind of, uh, I stumbled upon learning when I, I began to, uh, I, when I got to the military, for some reason, I like stopped making my bed. I, I honestly don't know why, um, but I stopped making my bed for a number of years. And when I started turning my life around, one of the things I read in a book is, you know, make your bed when you wake up in the morning and that's the, that, that's how you need to start your day. So I started to do that just not because I thought it mattered, but because it was in this book and like I did, I'm like, that's weird. Like, why, why do I feel like a little better feeling like I made my bed? That's, that's weird, whatever. So then I kind of took that into with my vehicle and I started to do the same in my vehicle. I used to, like pride myself on and again I didn't have a nice vehicle at the time I didn't have a nice place at the time but I would pride myself on keeping my vehicle interior and exterior clean and then again that I felt a little better I felt like I had more energy and when I had more energy I was able to do more things and this I mean this has been like a 10-year like progressive journey as far as setting my environment up for success I mean currently you know whether it's my home or the office or the offices of uh, all of my uh, uh, executives, I have uh, rosemary, eucalyptus, and um, orange essential oils uh, burning in there. Rosemary is something that is uh, said to, it can increase your mood by just inhaling it. By 70%, it says it can increase your mood. So it's just so true, like scents visual uh the way colors and stuff or my office if you ever saw my office online like i have like just spray paint graffitis crazy designs and murals and all that just very vibrant bright colors because bright vibrant colors stimulate creativity so i want my office to be an environment that primes me to be in my most creative just positive uh you know mind frame there's motivational and inspiring quotes all over uh the walls of our facility just Things that are just there, I mean, they're, they're there physically, but, you know, we see them all the time. It's just an unconscious just reminder of 
who we are and what we're trying to do. And, 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 and it's a really important thing, an opportunity that people sleep on and they sleep on it simply due to a lack of awareness. It's like a lot of times when something is not going good or something is wrong, you don't know that it's not going good or, or that it's, it's, it's wrong until it actually gets fixed or starts going good. So keeping your, where to start would just be keeping your, 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 your home, your office, your workspace, your vehicle organized, neat, meticulous at all times, okay? Not having dishes pile up in the sink. Make your fucking bed. Your workplace, like not only should you keep your workstation just immaculate and organized, make sure the people next to you are the same because again, that's, that's it's not about them, it's about you and that's gonna come in uh, to your space and interfere with your uh, you know, mental bandwidth. So things like this, any little opportunity that we can take to, you know, to, to gift ourselves back, you know, a half a percent or 1% of energy. I mean, we need to jump all over that because all these little things add up. I'll tell you what, you've got uh, so much great advice and a, lo a lot of it, like that one right there, this thing about, um, and obviously I've heard you talk about this, which is why I wanted mm -hmm. to brain on it, but you don't, you really don't hear a lot of people talking about this, you know, setting up your environment. Yeah. For so, I mean, you have a lot of great advice. Um, but if you think about it, it's so, it's so basic, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, honestly, it's not even something it's, I've been reading. Listen, trust me. I've been reading self-help books. Um, I, you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, in, in learning and, and, you know, um, um, expanding your mindset constantly, constantly. I'm huge, which is why you resonate with me so much and why I wanted you on the show. But even that, even that I've, I've never really heard this whole thing about, you know, setting up your environment for success. So it's, it's really powerful. And, you know, I'm so happy that you're sharing this. With there's, a, there's a book called willpower doesn't work. And I can't remember the author's name, but willpower doesn't work. Basically explains the psychology behind it. Uh, feel free to check it out or anybody who's listening, check it out. That's interesting. So there you go. You, that's my last question for you, right? You just start you perfect segue. So you've read, you know, a thousand books. Um, your personal development by your own admission is what changed the trajectory trajectory of your life other than Tony Robbins. Cause we know, you know, I, I remember those tapes too. I've had the fucking tapes, yeah. you know, it's unbelievable. Um, other than Tony Robbins, um, and the book you just mentioned, uh, mm -hmm. what would be some of the books you would recommend that really make an impact? Um, and that would be like cornerstone stuff that you would suggest. Yeah, I will share the, so it's funny you ask that. I'm asked this question all the time and I have a general answer that I give. And then, you know, if I'm talking, if I'm speaking with somebody, depending on what they have going on and where they're at, uh, you know, in life on their personal development journey, that will kind of dictate the recommendation I give them. But I'll, in answer to your question, I will tell you uh, the books that, I can think of at the top of my head that have impacted me the most. Um, change Your Thinking, Change Your Life by Brian Tracy. The, uh, the, the, the Four Agreements, that's a very short book, but a very, I mean, so simple, so impactful. And like literally, like if you do what it says, I mean, you're going to live an awesome life. So I definitely suggest everybody read that. What the four, you said the four agree, uh, agreements, the four agreements. The four agreements. Okay. Yep. And then, uh, and then two more, uh, extreme ownership was, was, and is in my opinion, 
the best uh, book, one of the best books that's ever been written uh, on leadership. I definitely say top three. Jocko uh, and then, what's that? By Jocko Willink. Yeah, by Jocko and uh, and, and and Leif Madden. They they, they co-authored that book, and then one a, a book called uh, Relentless by a guy named Tim Grover is a really interesting one that you know people who need some improvement with their mental toughness with their mindset uh, should give it a read that's that one definitely had a big impact on me and, and basically convinced me that i wasn't crazy because for a while i thought i was and I, and I thought i was getting even worse but that book basically uh made me realize that i wasn't and uh basically just kind of reaffirmed some of the things that i was already feeling just having that validation and knowing that so many like just great people that have accomplished so much were of the same ideology and mentality um you know as myself was uh just getting that validation was uh, was pretty empowering. So yeah, Relentless by Tim Grover. That I mean, those are some great recommendations. Um, I, in, you know, you talk about extreme ownership. I mean, you're the mm-hmm. fucking like poster child for extreme mm-hmm. ownership. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah. I, in my personal life, that's funny. That that's you, that's again. I think that's why. Did you read that book after you did what you did, or before you did? What oh, you long did? after. Yeah. Long, I don't think that book came. Yeah, that yeah. book came out. I think in like came, 2017 yeah. or something. Yeah, that's um, right. But yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting because uh, you know a friend recommended that book to me, and I read it, and um, you know it just was like wow. And I read it again, and I've read that book so many times, and every time I'm in a different place, I get something new out of it. It's just um, a really, a, a really effective, impactful, important book that anybody can relate to. You know, whether in business or life. Uh, you know, on leadership and, you know, we're all leaders. That's the thing. Like you don't have to own a business or be a manager uh, of people or whatever you like uh, be in a, a business, having a uh, position of leadership. Like we're all leaders. Um, most importantly, through our actions, through the actions that we take or don't take that are on plain display for the people around us, our friends, our family, our loved ones, our coworkers, like, we have a responsibility to, to lead by example, to live our best life, to always do our best, and to make the most out of the one and only time that you know, we'll have on this earth. The fact is, like, you know, I mentioned this earlier, life is, is short and it goes by quick. And the sooner you get in the game, the sooner you realize that uh, it's a gift. Every day is a fucking gift. And um, we, have to, we have to do what we can, which is a lot, to leave the world a better place than we found it. That's something I think people need to take a, a, a little more seriously. Amazing. Uh, amazing, Chris. Um, I'll tell you right now, uh, you got to write a book. you got to write a book about your, you know, your journey, and then like, throughout that journey, the lessons that, you, you know, that have come out of that journey that people can apply um, thank you so much for sharing your time with thank us. You. Um, absolutely uh, phenomenal insights and advice from you. Where can, if, if, our, if our fans and listeners want to learn more, uh, where mm-hmm. can they go to find you? Yeah, uh, all my social medias are at Chris Cavallini, C-A-V-A-L-L-I-N-I, and the podcast, Start Today Podcast, uh, my podcast and if you like you know the vibe and the, the message and the delivery and all that um 
you can check uh, my team and I out on, I mean, any platform where, uh, where you find your podcast. So. Brilliant. Brilliant. Chris, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank I, you. I wish you could fun. Yes, man. Continued success. You as well. Appreciate thank you. you. Thank you for coming on.